If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up-to-the-minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today is my regular co-host, Curtis. Uh, and while uh, we were hoping we would be done with this type of conversation after recapping Saturday's meltdown at Auburn, well, we found out on Tuesday night that no, indeed, we're not done with this conversation. So today on the show, we will be recapping yet another game where the Georgia basketball team blew a double-digit first-half lead. So yay, we get to have that conversation again. But first... Just a couple quick reminders for all you guys. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, at Glory underscore UGA. We definitely appreciate all of you that have taken a, a chance to follow us and t- taking the time to just hit that follow button. We do appreciate that. If you have not, it would be awesome. Just, if you would, we'd love to interact with you guys, hear your thoughts on what's going on with all the different programs out there that sport the Power G. Um, you can also find us on a bunch of different podcasting platforms out there. Of course, we're on DawSportsRadio.com. Uh, you can also download Dog Sports Radio app straight to your phone. If iTunes and SoundCloud are easier for you, you can find our show there. You can also check us out on the Stitcher and TuneIn apps. So hopefully somewhere out there works for you guys. Uh, and thank you again for all you guys who have rated and reviewed the show, giving us some feedback. We really, really do appreciate that. Uh, if you have not done so, if you get a chance, it would be awesome. It takes just a second of your time to kind of just give us a little bit of feedback there on the show. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. Uh, we definitely appreciate that. So rate, review. That would be awesome. All right, let's go ahead, Kurt. I guess uh, we got to do this, man. We got to get into uh, another double-digit lead blown last night, Tuesday night, at our at home against Arkansas. You know, we were we we're thinking about trying to, to uh, record this show after the game, but just you know, went to double overtime, got home a little bit late, had to get up early, go work out, training for a marathon right now, how to deal with that stuff. So we're just recording here on Wednesday. I know it's a little bit late, but here we are. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't even really know where to start with this. I, I guess we'll start at the very beginning of the game. And let's start with the lineup. Again, Mark Fox tinkering with the lineup still. That's where essentially halfway through SEC play, still tinkering with the starting lineup on a seemingly almost game-by-game basis, it appears. Uh, still tinkering with rotations. There's just nothing set, which is just hard to believe at this point in the season. But, uh, honestly, not that surprising if you look at the history of Mark Fox with his personnel choices. So, the lineup that we saw yesterday, we had... Uh, Turtle Jackson yet again starting at point. Then we had Joan Parker sliding over to the two guard. Then we ha- inserted Rayshon Hammonds back in the starting lineup, although he didn't really play that much. He played 16 minutes, but still in the starting lineup. And then, of course, Obede at the four, and or I guess he was pretty much playing the five. And then you've got uh, Yante Maiden at the four. Those guys both in the post there. This is the lineup that I was actually calling for when we did the, the Auburn recapture. This is the lineup I wanted to see. Were you cool with the lineup we put out there, or would you have gone some little bit different? I mean, I was fine with it. I mean, I think they were they were pretty good for the most part. Uh, the one thing I really question, though, is 
no, I, I, I can imagine you were probably going to bring it up later. Yeah. But that was his starting lineup, yes. But in crunch time, in the two overtimes, he stuck with the same lineup. And the guys probably played close to 15 minutes straight of yes. game time. Yes. And so I question, if those are the guys you had in at crunch time, the two overtimes, why are they not your starters? Yeah, you and I were talking about this last night. It, it, it was baffling to me because you're exactly right. We, we talked about this last night. We... I don't know how the exact numbers of when Jordan Harris, when, when we went in this lineup late. I know it was late in the second half. I would say with three to four minutes left in the half and then with all of overtime, both overtime. So I said the last 13, at least last 13 to 14 minutes of actual game time in regulation and both overtimes, five minutes each. We went with a lineup of Turtle, Harris at the two, Parker at the three, Nicholas Claxton, uh, freshman big, uh, at, at I guess the five, I guess it was what we were probably playing him as a center. And then Yante, uh, down there in the post as well. That was lineup we went with exclusively for the last couple minutes of, of regulation and then all of overtime. So I'm, I'm with you, right? If clearly, like when it stands to reason, if you're going with that lineup to close out regulation, both overtime, it just simply stands to reason that given it was crunch time and the game's in the line, and that's the lineup that Fox went with, it just makes sense. That's clearly the ideal lineup he went with, or the, his ideal lineup, and the one that he thinks is, he get, one that he thinks gives us the best chance to win. Because otherwise, why would you have kept the, that unit together for the last three to four minutes of the first half and all of overtime without making one sub? So, I mean, do you have an explanation? Why, I, honestly, like let's get like why, why? Because clearly he thinks that lineup gives us the best chance to win. Because in crunch time, when it really mattered, that was the lineup he went with exclusively. So, why are we not using that lineup to start games? I really don't know. I think that if I, if I had one explanation, I think it's because I honestly don't know if Fox truly knows what he's doing or what he wants to do with his teams. You think it was just a feel thing at that moment in time? He's like, you know, these guys. But if it's, um, a, if it's a feel thing, be, but Harris had hardly played all game long. To say, yeah, it could be a feel thing, but yeah, like we said, Harris maybe played five, five, yeah, five or six minutes long. prior to being thrown in there at the very end of the game. Yeah, I mean, you play. I think I've read that Woolridge had played twenty minutes, and you don't yeah. go with him. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't even want him in there, but it just, uh, it just didn't make sense. Yeah, it's almost like maybe it was an instinctive thing, but I mean, I just, I'm not saying it was the wrong decision. I don't know, honestly. I don't know. I mean, we, I, I have, he's tried a lot of different things, and none of them really work. Because honestly, we just don't have great personnel outside of Yante Maiden, at least not consistent personnel, not yeah, high level personnel. Yante is what leads the leads the league in scoring, and yet we don't have a yeah. we don't have a good player after him that even after. Yeah, that's another thing we were talking about last double night, double and I, I I truly believe this. If we had a legitimate scoring threat, at least one more guy from the perimeter, and if we had Arkansas shooters and Yante was on that team, Yante would average twenty five points a game. We Yante even said it in the post game press conference when they were interviewing him. He said, you know, it was nice our team was actually knocking down some shots because he said the double team didn't come as quick or didn't come at all. He said he pretty much he was pretty much saying that if they would do this consistently, they he wouldn't be a double team as much or as quick as he has been, which yeah. would open him up. Yeah, I was I, I was actually in the midst of typing a tweet about that last night, and I was like, ah, I'm not going to send it, whatever. Because I, I guess I just was watching the game, and I don't have time for this. I was in the middle of typing and just gave up on it. But what I was going to say in the tweet was, did I literally just see a defender refuse to lead Jawan Parker in the quarter and, and crash on Yante? We haven't seen that all year. I'm dead serious. I've watched every dribble of every game this season, and I have not once seen a guy not crash down on Yante when he gets the ball in the post. Like they they leave our perimeter shooters every single time because they have no fear in those guys knocking down shots consistently. But there was one, at least one moment where they we we, we swung it to Jawan in the corner and he got into Yante down the post and the guy on Jawan did not crash. He kind of he's he kind of swiped the ball once, but he did not lead Jawan Parker. And if if we can find a way for that to be a consistent deal. Then that really opens up things for Yante, and we can we can be a good team. But 
Can we do that consistently? I don't know, but Jawan's had a good couple games here. Can he keep it up? And is, is one guy, is Jawan Parker himself, is he enough to, to clear out enough room down there to kind of to space the floor a little bit? I, I don't know. I don't know. But going back to the question of, like, you know, if this is the lineup you use in overtime exclusively, why not start the game? I Do you think part of it might be that he's trying to make a point with Harris and, and Claxton? Like, hey, you know, because he, especially with freshmen like Claxton, we, we, you know, historically, he's very, very hard as freshman has a short leash, most of them at least, yanks them out if they make the slightest mistake. Uh, and Harris, you know, I, I'm pretty, this is never announced, but it seems, I'm pretty sure that he was suspended to start the season, didn't play all the first two games. Uh, like heard, heard a few rumors to that effect. Don't know that for sure, but I think there's a fair chance that was the case. Uh, and he's, he's kind of forced Harris to kind of earn some time. Do you think it's something like that is why we're not starting him, like trying to make a point with him, try to get him on board? I, I, I would say this is the beginning of the season, but right now his seat is getting hot. He's, he he's got to win, right? I mean, he's got to win. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, if it was the first couple of games, I could see so. But we're in SEC play now, what, three and five? I mean, or, yeah. three and five. I mean, he's got to, I and mean, he's to the point where he's got to win, and he's not. So I, I wouldn't say he's trying to prove a message. But, I mean, but does he really have to win? Do you have any faith in, like, even if we don't make the tournament again, do you really think he's going to be gone? I mean, I have no faith if, that's going to happen. He, if it keeps going like it is, like if we barely miss it, he'll probably keep his job because they accept that. But if we just continue to lose like we are, then maybe. Yeah, maybe. I just I'm I'm in total believe it when I see it mode when it comes to that question with our athletic administration. I just I I'll believe it when I see it. We'll just leave it at that. So yeah, that was one thing you and I were talking about. It's just like if this is the lineup you went with, the last almost 50 minutes of actual game time. Why in the world are they not playing more consistently together? Or why did they not start the game? Why did these guys? Why did Harris only have like five or six minutes before you, you throw him in for 14, 15 minutes straight? Why was Claxton playing sparingly before that point? I just I don't understand that, and I, I, I'm sure there's an explanation. I just I don't know. I I don't know what to make of that. Uh, would you say the lineup we started with though, going back to that very first question, was that better than the lineup we've gone with the past couple games with Tishon Hightower in the game to start? So basically, would you rather have Turtle? Would you rather have Turtle and Jawan as your starting guards, or Turtle and Tishon Hightower? Probably Jawan, just because he's at least a decent shooter. He's a competent shooter. Yeah, he's steady. I mean, he's a little bit more steady than they are. He's not spectacular, but he's competent. Right now, you can't count on Hightower to knock down a shot. I mean, he he's he's hit some this year, but. In no way he's been remotely consistent. Can't hit a free throw to save his life. And it's hard to put guards out there when they're shooting sub fifty percent from the line. Yeah, that was cost us the LSU game. Yeah, I mean if you're shooting sub fifty percent from the line as a guard, you can't have now as a center. Okay, maybe you can deal with it, but as a guard, no. You got if you get to the line, you got to be able to knock him down. And right now he just he's not doing that. Uh, but anyway, I mean so it's a it's another double a blown double digit lead. But the thing was in this game we just, we didn't wait until the second half to begin giving away. We had a 24-9 lead at the under-8 media timeout, like 7 minutes, 27 seconds in the first half. We extended that to 29-13 in the first half, so a 16-point lead, before Arkansas went on a late 15-2 run in the first half. They pulled it to 31-28, and then Yante was able to knock down a couple free throws right before the half. We limped to a 33-28 halftime lead. So a 5-point lead at halftime, not as big of a halftime lead as we had at Auburn, obviously 14 points there, but we had a 16-point lead not too long before Time expired in the first half. We let that kind of slide away there uh, a little too much before the first half ended. So for me, I think – I don't tell me if you disagree, Kerr, but I, I, to me, I, I kind of tweeted this out last night. I think last night was a truly picture-perfect example of what my frustration has been with this program over the past three years. To me, it was yet another example of the fact that we are yet again good 
but just simply not good enough. And that is, to me, becoming the story of Georgia basketball. Do you disagree with me on that? No, it is. I mean, people, a lot of people will be, you know, trying to take this as a moral victory, and it doesn't matter how you look at it. A loss is a loss. Yeah, I mean, like, okay, you can say we're competitive. We are. We are absolutely a competitive basketball team. It's not like we're getting blown out night and night out. We are competitive every night. That gets you in the tournament, no. No, it doesn't, exactly. We're competitive. That's great. That's, but to me, that's step one. Being competitive is step one. The, but what we need to actually do is win these basketball games. Like, I know, like, I guess if people go to the, hey, we have no basketball tradition, so they're just happy with being competitive and not getting run out of the gym. I'm sorry. I'm not happy with that. I'm not okay with just, hey, let, we didn't get run out of the gym tonight. That's awesome. Let's chalk that one up as a victory. No. You got to win. So, I mean, yeah, I, like, I don't think we're a bad team. Do you, would you, I, do you agree? Like, are we a bad team? I don't think so. I think we're solid. We're just yeah. not good enough. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly my, my point here. It's like we're we are a good, a good, solid, decent basketball team, but we're just not good enough. And that's and this is not a one year thing. It's not a two year thing. It's not really even a three year thing. It's over almost the course of a decade now. That's become the story of Georgia basketball. In the first couple of years, you know, when Fox took over, you get it. Okay, we're building the program, but now it's been like this is the third year of of the same exact story where we're really competitive in every game and we have a chance to win just about every game. But we just we can't pull it out at the end. We we just we, we're not pulling it out, and it's just not good enough. But let's get into this, the specifics of last night instead of looking at the big picture. Let's look specifically at last night. What did you see last night that you think was the issue? Like, why did we end up losing this game? Because we shot well from the field. Um, once again, what killed us was we went through a, a, a multiple cold stretches. Yeah, we started out hot, just like we did against Auburn. Uh, and that, see that this is the thing when we get out to big leads like we did to Auburn. This is why, even though we had a big 14-point lead at half, I'm not going to say I predicted us to lose, but I was uneasy. Even with the four, I'm always uneasy when we're playing basketball because I understand that while we might, even when we get out to a big lead, those are, it's kind of the exception. Like when we shoot as well as we did in the first half, shooting over 50% for the majority of the first half, shooting over 50% uh, against Auburn in the first half there, that's the exception. That is not the norm. That is just, a, that's us playing above our heads. And that's not something that we can sustain on a consistent basis. You know, from and you can see it from halftime. Look at Auburn. We shoot over fifty percent in the first half, and then we have eight points at the under eight timeout in the second half. That's that's kind of this team. That, that that's more the norm for this team. So when we shoot that well, you can't expect it to continue into the second half. And that's why, honestly, in my opinion, that's why we end up blowing leads. Is we kind of play overhead for a few minutes to start the game at times, and then we just don't have the ability to sustain that. And that's a problem when you play teams that can score, like Auburn and Arkansas, who are both averaging like high seventies, eighty plus points a game. So, I, to me, it's it that that's a huge frustration. Do you think? Do you feel like the defense let us down at all last night? Was that part of the problem, or were they just that uh, good? Especially in overtime, they were just hitting ridiculous shots. Yeah, those shots that making was hitting um, in overtime, like anything, we were defending those. Offense let us down again. You know, we got back into the just dribbling around the the top of the key, and then at times, you know, they are full court pressing us. And Woolridge just literally lets uh, Barford just trip him and go right up for a layup. Um, they, yeah. you know, it, it was just self inflicted wounds. Yeah, and that's you know, if you look at the numbers, if you look just solely at the box score, you look at our shooting numbers and our scoring numbers, and. Yeah, I will agree with you. It was actually significantly better than what it has been really at any point during SEC play, with maybe the exception of the Alabama game. We just played really well in that game, and they were uh, they were just not on at all. Uh, we shot 43.6% from the field and 41% from three, which is like, holy crap, where'd that come from? But 
while those not and we had balanced scoring too, you know that was something we haven't. This is kind of something I've been harping on for for a while now. It's been Yante and just the smattering of points here and there. Uh, Parker's come on recently for the past couple of games, but hasn't been consistent throughout the year. But Yante had twenty six last night, twenty six and fifteen. God, Yante, yet again we're going to waste an elite talent like elite, an elite college player like that. It's just frustrating. Uh, then Turtle dropped fifteen, hit five threes. Uh, Parker had a solid night with twelve points, and Nicholas Claxton almost had double digits. He chipped in nine points as well. So a really balanced scoring night, which is not something we've had of late. But while those numbers look pretty good, right? I mean, that, that's on the surface that sounds good. But to me, it doesn't take into account all of the wasted opportunities where we dribble around with, like you said, the top of the key with no purpose, and we wait to get into any set until late in the shot clock, and then we just jack up a ridiculous, absolute, 100% prayer shot. Turtle had two, just, just himself had two shot clock violations. And I, and since I'm not in the coaching room, I'm not, I'm not on the coaching staff, I'm not in the meeting rooms, I don't know, is, I don't know whether it's Fox coaching them to do this, or if this is just them out there on their own, just, just, hey, you know what, we're gonna, we're gonna chill out for a little while, and then we're gonna try to pick it up late. It's gotta be the coach. Right. It looks like Turtle blames like the down low guys for not getting in position, but as a upperclassman oh guard, you have to see, okay, there's five, six seconds left, they're not getting to get open, I'm gonna have to create something instead of just continue to dribble. Just it's it's ridiculous, man. It's a lack of lack of it's a, there's no plan. There's no there's 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 just not a consistent plan offensively for us. It's no, just, and, and I think it's a lack of there's just not intense intense enough. I mean, you gotta see that, and you gotta see. All right, it's going down. I need to go do something instead of just dribbling at the top, waiting for someone else to do something. I think that's what, that's the whole identity of this team is. They wait for someone else to make the play. Yeah, I, I think that's other fair. than Yante. Yante tries to make the plays himself, but other than that, everyone else is waiting for someone else to set them up instead of setting themselves up. I don't think anyone else has a ton of confidence in their ability to be a scorer. I really don't. I think Turtles lost confidence. I mean, he he, he he shot well last night. I'll give him that, which is great. I'm actually really happy, excited to see that. But I, I think through SEC play, I think he's lost a lot of confidence. And he doesn't want to be that guy to take the shot. He doesn't feel like he is that guy to take the shot yet. And that and you can't have your lead guard with that mentality. You just can't. Yeah, you can't have that. And I, I guess the source of my frustration also when it comes to the offensive scheme here is when you exhaust a shot like that, it, it like teams do that. Okay, Virginia is a great example. They do the same thing. There's a lot of teams that play that. If you don't have elite talent, a lot of teams try to to shorten the game, use the clock. But when you exhaust a shot clock like that, the the idea is typically that you're using all of that time on the clock to kind of probe and find weaknesses and gaps in the defense that you can attack, so you can find the best shot possible. Right? You you use the clock as much as you can to find the best shot possible. Right? There, but for us, there's no probing. There's no ball reversals. There's nothing. Instead of using the clock to get the best shot possible, we end up throwing up prayers at the end of the shot clock that have absolutely no chance of going in. Far too often. And it's it just it blows my mind that this happens. It's not like a once-in-a-while thing. It happens consistently within games and among games. It's just it's baffling. I cannot understand why, number one, our coaching staff is like, hey, guys, we don't need to be doing this. Let's get the pace up a little bit because we're getting bad shots. I just it, it blows my mind. I don't I just I don't understand it. And another thing that the the, the box score doesn't count for is I guess the, I guess it somewhat does with, with the uh, turnover numbers. We had another seventeen turnovers. It but we were just generally sloppy offensively last night, especially in overtime. Were we not? Yeah, I mean that last possession. Oh my god! Say, yeah, even the last possession. Would you have taken a timeout in that last possession if you're Mark Fox? Honestly, no, because. Because there are a lot of people last night screaming, like, hey, 
God, he let he let he just let him go. Didn't take a timeout. We were play, we were sloppy out there. Yante had it if he moves a little quicker. Yeah, I think Yante was just tired there. He had he had a look. He just he didn't. The thing quite is, I mean, I've seen it happen so many times. One game that really sticks in my mind is last year, North Carolina Kentucky game. If his teams were watching that in the tournament, um, the UNC coach doesn't call timeout. They go down there and make the make the shot game and shot. That's why right. he, most of the times you don't do it because especially a team like us, we're not the quickest team. We're not you know we're not dead eye shooters. We need them to try to be in you know out of position. Yeah, that and that's 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 the the question the coach has to answer. Okay. If you call a timeout, you're going to allow the defense to set up what they want, okay? And it, it, do you have a better chance to score against that? or Because you're going to have a set play, but the defense is also going to have a set defense that's ready to go. Or do you just let your guys go make a play when the defense is kind of scrambling, trying to give back, and try to, and you just try to take one to the rim? And I, I'm okay with that call. I'm not, I'm not going to criticize Mark Fox. I'm okay with not calling timeout for the same exact reason you said. There. We had a look. We had a look. It, it, it was... It was scary the first second. Harris almost lost it, you know. And Yante had to reach down and grab for it. But at the end of the of the clock, there we had a shot, we had a look, it just got blocked. That's just that's what, what, what I want to criticize. Is once again, what's killed us the last five games is our free throw shooting in overtime, especially. Well, you see, the thing is, we shot like through, and so there's some people on Twitter hit me about this last night, and I, I I agree with the crunch time thing, but we shot well from the line all game long until crunch time, and that's when we and that's when we just stopped hitting them. Even Yante, of all people, is missing. Well, do you not think they had something? And this is, might be, a, a, for me, a, a point to yeah, criticize the coach. Were they not just worn out? I do, too. You and I question, even if it's even if it's offense, defense. That's exactly. I, I get that you want to go with the lineup you think is the best chance to win. I totally get it. But that last possession where Arkansas will make it win and hit another three, uh, why not on that defense possession? Why not put one of the guys put Willridge in there? Right now, I don't like Willridge for for sco- for his scoring because he has no scoring ability to speak of. But he's got good length out there. You put him on Macon. He's Macon's not going to shoot over him. Not with that length. I, I don't think he would at least. So putting a guy out there who's fresh, who's got some length. To me, that's 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 something the coach has got to think about there. I know you want to go with that lineup, but those guys were dead. They were dead. You could see Yante look like he was about to fall over and die. They were. I mean, Macon was making some shots, but even then, especially in the first overtime, we were going under the screens. Like we weren't. We just. We, yeah. we were so tired. They weren't fighting through anything. The first overtime, yeah, we were, we weren't fighting. Through. We were going under the screens. We we're taking the easy way out there. In the second overtime, he was just he was shooting in people's face. I do agree. That's the one thing I do with the question with the coaching is yeah, we're missing the shots in crunch time, but those kids played almost fifteen minutes straight. They played fifteen minutes, straight, and you, I mean, you could see Yante's face. I mean. The dude was giving everything he had, and at that, that point, I mean, Yante, I think he played forty six minutes he last night. His, he played forty six minutes last night. That three pointer he took at the end of the at the end of the second half, which was he was short. Yep. He was just no tired. legs. He He's got no legs. legs. No legs. Yante makes that shot game in and game out, but he had no legs. And so when you're in the overtime, I mean, I, I get you. You would go with him for the most of the, for the overtime, but again, offense, defense, substitutions. Get some guys in there defensively because. Arkansas sets you with the same lineup too. So if you put when you go to some of the defense possessions, you get a chance when it's a dead ball situation. Put some fresh legs in there and sub them out if you get a chance on the offensive side of the ball. I know if you have Willard in there playing defense, there's a chance there's not going to be a dead ball, so he might be down there the offensive end of the court. But what is Jordan Harris giving us offensively right now? I mean, well, even then, if you get a stop, you don't. It doesn't matter. You get a stop, right? Because if we get any of those stops, if if one of those shots that make if he doesn't hit one of those shots, we win. They have to foul you. Yeah, we win. We win. So I mean that's that was one thing I will criticize Coach. I think that was an opportunity for us to 
to kind of get some guys, some fresh some fresh guys in there to actually play some defenses. We were just dead tired. There's just no doubt about it. Yonsei played 46 minutes, and uh, a guy like Nicholas Claxton is not used to playing that that many extended minutes like that, not consecutive minutes. So it's just they're worn out. It's, I mean, even that the, that last possession that Claxton had a chance to to crowd the ball, but he couldn't. He's just I mean, I really think that it was just honestly his guys were dead. I mean, that's a big part of it late in the game there in double overtime. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, defensively, though, I. I would you say? Would you go as far? The first half. Would you say? Yeah, the defense played pretty well in the first half. It's kind of like the Auburn game. Is, do you, would you say the defense failed us in the second half, or is Arkansas just you know they just went off and started hitting shots? A little bit of both. Um, you know, they were hitting shots, but at the same time, we were just we weren't there. No, we weren't. Uh, we, we really they, weren't. They, there were times, especially you know, where we were sitting at times. You see it. I mean, they were just driving and passing on us all day. I mean, we were not in the passing lanes. I don't even really think we played that great defense in the first half. We, for the first no, half of the first half, shots. for the first half of the first half, when we were up like twenty four nine, yeah, we were playing soft, and they were also missing shots. But by the end of the first half, they were essentially shooting fifty percent from the field. They yeah, were, I mean it's kind of like when we played Alabama. It's not like we played great defense. Alabama was just missing great shot or easy yeah. open shots. And like this time, yeah, about ten minutes through, when we were up like close to the eight minute mark, we were up by fifteen. They were shooting about twenty nine percent. We yeah. were shooting. We were shooting. I think forty seven percent from three. Yeah. And I knew that that wasn't going to last for no. us at least. Well, almost by the end of the first half, they were close to fifty percent. After that point, in like eight minutes time, so they they start hitting. They definitely did start hitting shots. Um, I, I don't know if we were defending with as much with as much intensity. We, there were also some uncharacteristic. We do a, a pretty good job. One of the reasons we're so good defensively is we do a really good job communicating. But there were some moments out there where guys we were just leaving guys wide open. The, the communication was breaking down, and that's hard to explain. He was just killing us, gashing us. God, he was good. Barford, I mean, it was Barford through most of the second half, and then Macon comes on yeah, late. You could tell he got worn out, and Macon had to. Oh yeah, I and mean, Barford was. He, I mean, he was kind of like Yonsei. You know, we were we, we were both talking about this also late in the second in the second overtime. He was dragging up the court. Like he was, and that's why I think Macon was like, "Dude, I got to take this over because Barford's dead." Uh, so Macon ends up dropping twenty four. Uh, who after doing essentially nothing in the first half. Came on huge late in the second half. Then Barford dropped 24, so almost 50 points between their two best players. And honestly, to me, that's we saw the difference last night between teams that have shooters and teams that don't. Okay, I'm not saying we didn't hit. We hit. We actually hit more shots than we have been recently. But still, they have guys like like Daryl Macon in crunch time with a hand in their face, contested shots, just rise up and knock them down multiple times. We just don't have guys like that. We just don't. We don't I mean, Turtle. He'll take a wide open shot and he, he can knock those down, but he's not going to pull up with a hand in his face in a crunch time situation like that and knock it dead with ice in his veins. But M- Macon doing it all over time, Barford doing it most of the second half, and then we just saw the difference there. Teams that have shooters, you just simply have an advantage, and that's our problem right now offensively. In my opinion, really, is that we just do not have enough shooters. It's that simple for me. It really is. And then we turn we turn the ball over seventeen times, just par for the course. Another issue offensively. Had some very crucial ones late in the game. Any one of which, if they don't happen, we very likely win the game. Uh, I don't know, man. It's just, it's just frustrating to watch. Really, 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 really frustrating to watch. So obviously, not a great outcome for us there. We had a chance. I mean, this would be another one. It's, it's, it's probably the most frustrating part of these last two games. Not just blowing the games, but these were two legitimate opportunities for us to get resume wins, like clear resume wins. Auburn's a top 10 RPI team. Arkansas's a top 30 RPI team. We had a chance to get both those wins. If we win both those games, Curtis, 
I think we're, we're, we're clearly in the tournament at this point. Now, there's still a lot left to play, but if we get both those wins, a top 10 RPI and a top 30 RPI win, one, on the, one of them on the road, I think we're in the tournament. But we blew it, like we do, right? Good, good enough. We're good enough to to get close, but not good enough to finish. So, Carolina game. I think we got down to by down by two at one point, and yeah. then they they turned it back on and beat us. That's just who we are. We get it close, but we're never close enough. God, and those and those making shots, man. And over time, we take we, a couple of times we take the sh- uh, a, a quick lead there, and then making comes right down, hand in his face, just dagger, man, just ice in his veins. That's just. Uh, uh, man, that was tough. Tough to sit there and watch that in the stadium. Was, or in the arena. All right? Or the Coliseum, I guess we should call it. What you uh what so we're talking about the team. What did you think of the crowd last night? Um, you could tell the crowd was, in my opinion, uh it was kind of a It was a dead crowd. Of, it was dead. Yeah. Well I, I think it well, it, it, it livened up it did not really liven up until the last minute or so of regulation. And I think that uh, the Saturday's game had a part to play with that. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think, if, I think I think our fans were just disappointed. I mean, you saw the players, especially in the first half, they were not playing with much excitement, much energy, and I think it kind of translated all around. That Coliseum was a 100% dead until about a minute left in, in regulation. And over time, it was loud. It definitely was. But for the vast majority of the game, one of the reasons I think they were able to get back into the game is because, let's be real, yes, they were on the road, so... Technically, they weren't in their own environment, but it was not a crowd to where, like, this was really a true road game for Arkansas. It was almost like a neutral site game. Would, I mean, am I going too far there? Yeah, it was. It felt like that. It felt like a neutral site game it was for most of that game. And that is very frustrating. And I know it, it's a, it's an early start, 6.30 on a random Tuesday. I know it's hard for a lot of people to get there, uh, but it wasn't a huge crowd. It wasn't a loud crowd. I did not see – when was it that we said – the, the lower bowl – it just drives me crazy. Every you know, when I'm down in the lower bowl, man, I got, it, people. When I stand up and start cheering, people look at me like I'm doing something wrong, and it pisses me off. You know, like the the as as a whole, the lower bowl did not really stand up and really get into this game until overtime. Am, am I making things up here? No, they just stand there. They just they just sit there. And when I'm down there cheering, going crazy, when I'm down there in the lower bowl, people they literally look at me like, dude, you need to sit down. Like, what is this guy doing? You're annoying us. You're bothering us. It drives me crazy. And that's part of, that's one of the reasons we don't have a great home home court advantage because the the lower part of the stadium, which should be the loudest, is by far the weakest part of the stadium and I are the Coliseum. And I know those the, the got high rollers and all that, but bottom line is it hurts us in terms of our home court advantage. It just really does. And I, I know we got a couple. I'm not saying everybody. There are people down there. Of course, we got sweater guy over there doing his thing, and there there are spots. But as a whole, it's just not good enough. Uh, you, you know, it's just it's simply not. It's got to be better than that. And the students, I thought the students were pretty. Tame for the most part until overtime last night. So I mean, the team didn't, you know, they didn't finish, didn't necessarily do their part. But I, I got to call the the fans out. I mean, I preach. I mean, everyone who was there, it's. I know it's tough to get there. So that's awesome. You were there. A lot of people were not there. So I appreciate the fact that people were there. But when we're there, guys, we've got to make this a place that's actually an intimidating environment for opposing teams. And right now, it's not. Now Saturday games. It's a different story because you know it's a full house. Most of those games are sold out, but these weekday games, and I know it's not just here. I know there's a lot of a lot of teams that have to deal with this, but we've got to do a better job in these weekday games of trying to make this environment at least mildly intimidating. Because right now it's it's almost like a neutral court environment, and that, that does not help our team at all. So I just want to say my piece there. I know get off my soapbox, but uh, that's just a little something that was on my mind there. But all right, Kurt, you got anything else in this game, man? Nope. All right. Yeah, I don't either, man. I'm done with this. So let's go ahead and get out of it. 
We appreciate you guys listening to the show as we do each and every week. Uh, as we told you guys earlier in the week, we're going to have our Football Friday show this Friday, so check it out. First off-season Football Friday every single week, at least up until spring practice. We'll go heavy football when it gets to spring practice time. Uh, but every single Friday, we will have our Football Friday trying to fill your football fix for the week. We obviously, we'll never ignore football. That's always number one for us. But uh, check back on Friday. We'll be looking at, we'll be handing out our postseason awards for the 2017 season. So make sure to check in for that, guys. Really appreciate you listening. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. As always, go dogs. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.